0: This is SciBite, episode 85, for March 12th, 2013. Everyone and welcome to sci Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly science podcast. Fresh every Wednesday morning over at jupiterbroadcasting.com and live Tuesday evenings over at jblive.tv. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our host, Heather. Hey there, Heather.
1: Hey there, Chris.
0: Happy science to you.
1: Happy science.
0: Okay, what are we talking about today?
1: Today, we're going to take a look at dinosaur fight scars, a possible subglacial bacteria, a robot they can throw... Updates on Higgs boson, curiosity news, and as always, take a peek back in history and up in the sky this week.
0: Dinosaur fights? I, I, don't yes. think I, I don't think I can press the news button fast enough, Heather. Let's do the news. All right, Heather, don't let me down. What's our first okay. news story?
1: <laughs> okay, so occasionally we talk about, you can see the fossilized skin of dinosaurs. So you can see You know, we've been able to see that there's some feathers here and there. Yeah. But this time they've seen some of the, you know, skin and there was a giant scar on it. Ooh. Well, not so giant, but there's about a five by five inch scar on this skin. So it looks like that it was probably, you know, it may have been from a fight scar. Now, actually, it also had like damage to the skull itself.
0: Hmm.
1: And it wasn't like a killing blow. It was like, you know, a fight club, and then he kept going.
0: Wow. Well, you're not supposed to talk about that.
1: Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> this is this is side bite, so we'll talk about it anyway. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anybody.
0: Okay. Just on side by because it's science.
1: Yeah. So some of, some scientists really believe that it's pretty identical to those kind of things found on modern reptiles like iguanas and stuff. Mm. So you see. And then others say, well, it's not necessary. Maybe it's just, you know, he tripped and fell over and hurt himself. But either way, it is definitely a scar Hmm. that that we've been able to see on the skin. Now, the other thing that is definitely agreed of is there is a skull injury. Now, they say the skull actually shows signs of trauma. And from the size and the shapes of the marks, they can actually tell that it was very consistent with Tyrannosaurus Rex. So it's like it's like a Tyrannosaurus Rex tried to bite on it. Mm. Now, they've only really ever found one other case of a dinosaur wound. But in that case, it was unhealed, probably infected by scavengers after it was already dead. But this is, looks like it was happened like this uh, duck-billed dinosaur, Edmontosaurus anictus. So it looked like he had a run-in with this T-Rex and got away. And just kind of had battle wounds.
0: I mean, this totally makes sense. This happens, but it's it's as the little the little uh, young kid in me really loves picturing a dinosaur fight.
1: <laughs> yes, it's it's in claymation. It's in our cartoons. Yeah, it's yeah. in our drawings that were in elementary school. And, yes, and maybe like
0: at- if I were to really take it further, there might be a dinosaur saddle and lasers involved potentially. I'm just just saying. I mean, probably okay, not, not, not as likely, mine, but okay. Well, not,
1: not in my, but, I, but I won't be judging. Okay. Pants. Okay. Only little. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, hmm. so it's kind of weird because everyone like really imagines this, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex fight. And, but does anybody get away from Tyrannosaurus Rex? No, he's the king of them. But actually, yes, mm-hmm. this kind of a duck-billed dinosaur would actually be able to get away. They were, they weren't pansies. they they ran in herds. So there's some protection in that. They're 30 feet long. Uh, could, they have huge tails, powerful hind legs. They could run really fast. They could kick. They could swing a tail. So they could sort of knock him off balance and then run for the hills pretty quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well,
0: it's. He fought a T Rex and lived to tell the tale.
1: Yes, and he even told the tale in his fossils to us. Yeah. I,
0: I guess it's actually almost more surprising that we don't find more, that this is such a rarity, especially it would seem like they'd be fighting all the time. I guess maybe it just goes well, to show you that the T-Rex was, on average, pretty successful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only a percentage of the dinosaur bones that actually fossilize that mm-hmm. we're seeing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's like, take a random, say, random alien species from other side of the universe goes through and says, we're going to select a half a percent of the human population in the last, you know, couple thousand years. And we're going to make a determination about the entire human race based off that.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's also likely that the ones who are injured, didn't die in a way that was as, as well preserved maybe they died on yes. the surface and they were eaten by other animals whereas the ones that were alive and healthy probably didn't have injuries and they were the ones that were sort of encased in something or whatever it was that yeah, preserved them very,
1: yeah exactly there are very specific circumstances that were needed to properly preserve and fossilize right. Right. these things and
0: on average it's probably the healthier ones that are up and kicking that were you know preserved like that
1: yeah we don't <clears throat> We very rarely have these skin uh, fossilization imprints. Mm-hmm. So we don't have many of those. Mm-hmm. So that's a mm-hmm. smaller percentage. Maybe mm-hmm. there were a lot of battle scars mm-hmm. that we don't see. Right. So it's a combination of things. But just figuring out that part of the story even makes scientists all giddy with glee.
0: Yeah. Well, and it lets us talk about uh, uh, dinosaurs. And it's one of the best kind because you don't think of the, uh, uh, the uh, duck-billed dinosaur as like... Um, I mean that's that's sort of the scrappy underdog going up against the T-Rex. So it's kind of an underdog story too.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean so. they, you know, they had their own they had their own heft. They they could do their own thing. Oh yeah. No, but and they're they, no that's T-Rex. Why you, Come on.
0: They're no T-Rex.
1: No, but like that's If you, you cover- told me a
0: velociraptor and a T-Rex went up against each other, i would be like, "Okay, awesome fight, but a fair fight." But when you tell me a duckbill <laughs> a goes up against velociraptor. a... Well, I'm just saying, like, at least, they're, at least they're aggressive. I think a duckbill, I think I want a duckbill platypus as a pet. I would like one in my backyard, like a pet. Not it. a
1: platypus. Or duckbill a, platypuses right, right, are right,
0: now. Not, no, dinosaur, right.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, herbivores travel in herds. They do now for protection. They did then for mm-hmm. protection. Smart. Yes. in groups.
0: Very good. Well, any other uh, thoughts on that one, Heather?
1: No, just look forward to every time something like this comes up.
0: Yeah, no kidding. All right, well, uh, that's a great moment to uh, take a quick pause and remind folks that you can support uh, the uh, continued production of these shows and help us out with our costs like our bandwidth and our hosting infrastructure and all the wonderful things that come up with putting these shows online. And there's a really easy way you can do that. First of all, we do have direct support links where you can uh, throw in and lock in Financing every single month, and then you know you're contributing something to us. Uh, you can also use our affiliate links, which we have down at the bottom of the jupiter Broadcasting website. And the great thing is, if you remember to click on these before you shop, then a portion of your shopping session is contributed to us and doesn't even affect your budget because it's just stuff you were going to buy already. We've also got links down there for Chrome extensions, Firefox extensions, and thanks to an awesome member of our community, we should soon have Opera and Safari extensions as well. And if you grab those extensions, then it automatically tags your shopping session when you're at those sites, and you don't even have to worry about it. it just does it for you and keeps us going. And it's a little bit that helps. And uh, in in really the way that works the best is when we get as many people doing it because it's sort of in mass. Because while the numbers are small, if enough of you out there do it, it ends up actually all working out. And we really appreciate it. You know, it's a great way to uh, sort of keep us responsible to only our audience. And it lets us focus on continuing to make content and not have to worry about overselling every single show just to keep us going, because really, nobody wants that. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. And with that, let's move on to the News bite. Gosh, the News bite that felt official today. Yes. What are we talking it about?
1: did. All right. So midweek, I saw this article come up. New strange bacteria comes up the Russian scientists say that it's so very different from everything else we have. Hmm. And then, like, two days ago, somebody, like, his boss came out and went, um, excuse me. Holds finger in air. So...
0: Wait, wait so maybe not so much? Not yeah. so fast?
1: So, yeah. So, this so is, it's on, then it's off. <laughs> yeah, it's on, and off. This is from an uh, expedition last year where they drilled down into Lake Vostok. That's the largest subglacial lake in Antarctica. So they drilled, you know over two miles four kilometers down to get this lake now they were kind of trying to see you know what's going to be there so i had this one scientist that was doing you know the testing Uh and he came out of the genetics laboratory from st petersburg and he went okay i think we have a wholly new type of bacteria it is like 86 percent different from everything else which is essentially like completely alien like, I think it's like 90 something percent different, and it's Bacterias considered space. really, really weird and okay. off there, not existing to anybody else. So, that'd be pretty exciting. That would be pretty exciting. And then a couple days later, the head of the genetics lab came out and went, um, actually, that was just contaminants.
0: Mm. So, I mean, if they're contaminants, and would there be anything different about them? Would they all be known things that.
1: Yeah, it was just the the contaminants that they used, the oil and various things to drill down into there, would it come back with a false positive, essentially, is what happened. Huh. So it happens sometimes somebody sees something and they're really, really, really excited. And then their boss comes and smacks them on the head and says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. So it happens sometimes where... This kind of thing. So it's exciting and strange because for during the middle of that time, I was like,
0: hmm, really? <laughs> I love how you're watching the story sort of break. You're like, no way. I got to put this in the show. And then it's like, wait a minute, what?
1: And then I'm like, all right, I got to keep an eye out for this. Then so, like two days later, I'm like, aha.
0: Yeah. I mean, you didn't even get a chance to cover it in the show before you had to debunk it.
1: <laughs> yes, it was in the show. It was there. And then I went, okay change it, switch this around, chop that out.
0: So, Heather, uh, should we uh, should we mention the fact that when today, when us average mm. people think of satellites, uh, we yes. think of something orbiting the Earth, right? I mean, very pedestrian. But yeah. we want to enlighten people, move them beyond that and say, maybe we can take that orbit beyond the Earth.
1: Yes. We've occasionally talked about these little CubeSats. They are like four-inch cubes, literally, and you can send them up in groups off or piggyback off other satellites. So you can get them up there fairly cheap. Yeah. Now, there are three university partners from NASA JPL where they're deciding to try to do this where none other has gone before, lever Earth's orbit. So they've got these ideas where they have a couple of these and they want to just send them out yeah. and see what happens.
0: So make so, the same sort of accessible, cheap, little portable science sensors, but yes. not trapped to just standard orbit.
1: Yes, yeah, sort of these, and the fact that it's interplanetary, but sort of really on the cheap, so that maybe you could just shoot them out and get, you know, cheap high risk missions. You can send them to comets, to asteroids, to moons, to planets, to whatever. But because they are not really expensive, your your nail biting isn't quite as is on the line. <laughs> right. Yeah, You're in like, fact, I right. think
0: some of them run Android and Linux, if we, if I recall. Like, some of those yes. little cubes uh, are like little mini smartphones in a way.
1: Yeah. Disposable
0: smartphones, I guess.
1: Yeah. Into space, though. Yes. So, they're well, thinking they're going to launch it in 2014, 2016. They haven't really decided or put, pinned down a date yet. Oh, okay. And they're not really sure where they're going to go. This first mission is essentially going to be, let's see if we can get it out, shooting away from the Earth. In some direction. Now, in the end, these things are really small. They don't have much room for propulsion. They don't have much room for scientific instrumentation, right? Or big enough satellites to call home. So it's kind of like, all right, let's see. Focus it on one. Let's just see how far we can go before we can actually pay attention to it. How far we can hear it, essentially. I mean, you'd have to have larger antennas to be able to communicate with it, since it has such a low. It's such a low powered. Uh, little satellite so you have to have a large dish to be able to really
0: that's interesting listen
1: for it because it know, has such a tiny little bleep
0: so these ride inside a larger vessel in a sense right so they have yes. like and why why couldn't i mean obviously this is more of a this isn't really a question question but just thinking out loud it seems like you could just have a really powerful communications array on that housing vehicle and communicate with that and then it would have like everything networked inside of it so Hotspot. Yeah, it was sort of yeah, exactly. Hotspot relayed the message to the thing that's in you know to the to the correct little cube inside its little ve- vehicle. <laughs> yeah,
1: it seems so, like that way yeah, instead
0: of having to communicate with each one individually.
1: Yeah, that would definitely be an interesting idea where you send, you know, a whole little blotch of these all the way to say you're going to go to a comet, and then, you know, your hotspot sits there, and then all the little cubes spread out and check something out. But as of right now, it's just sort of a see if you can just one shot, you know, just shot in the dark, shoot something off and see how far can we listen for it? What could we do with it? And then maybe like you were saying, that's a really interesting idea to move to this kind of hotspot technology or, you know, could you clump some of them together? In well, yeah, you ways? think so,
0: right? Because they are such unitaskers because they're so small yeah. and, you know, they're pretty limited, but if you could take, uh, a uh, you know, 15 to 30 unitaskers uh, mm-hmm. each having their own task and then sort of network and cluster them all together. So you've essentially created one, you know, really capable functioning piece of equipment that is actually yeah. just made up of a lot of tiny individual cheaper components. It's probably,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, way out there, but it's an interesting well, idea.
1: You know, the idea has come up before where they've uh, had, uh, trying to remember, we talked about it before, where they send it to the moon. And essentially what you do is you have one satellite and then you can have all these little little rovers or, you know, the things that roll over the surface really easy and on the cheap. Mm -hmm. So you send out a whole bunch of these, you know, and then they each do one little specific item or get back very limited, you know, data. But all together, you get a lot of different data. So it's one of those things where should one fail, you're not such sad face. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and so if you have twenty, that is the essentially the cost of one. Should one or two of the twenty, you know, keel over or something happen to them, you still have data.
0: Right. Right, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well so, and we're a little it, bit limited capabilities, but
0: And you almost wonder if if you could break it up into individual modules like that, if that would also be another way to sort of have the private industry finance this is the companies that are mm-hmm. interested in this particular type of science pay for the those components and the, and the other companies that are interested in the other type of science pay for those yeah. components and then they all get pushed into one machine it'd be yeah. really hard to make everything work together but it might be an, it might be an interesting sort of group funded way to do some of this stuff
1: yeah where everyone or uh hotsp- uh can dine it with the hotspot idea where all right everyone pitch in Rent a, rent your cube space, <laughs> yeah. and then it goes out and then pay for your bandwidth.
0: Yeah,
1: and it'll call back home with your de- with your data.
0: Yeah, you never know, Heather. You never know. All right, well, you know your thoughts on that. I don't think so. All right then, then uh, let's shift gears and move into the two byte news. <laughs>
1: Hmm. <clears throat> the band came back. Yeah,
0: well, there you we had you they had drinks. They So they hang out and they entertain us on the pre show, and then they get plastered once we start working, and they come in and they do the two bite news, and you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Speaking That's of like, never knowing what you're going to get, this story is just the story that keeps on delivering.
1: Yes. Boston Dynamics, their quote unquote big dog. This is the robot that kind of looks like a horse and it just tromps across. <laughs> it yeah. can. You know, at first they came out and it had this video and it was walking across the parking lot. It slid on ice and it was able to stand, you know, stay upright. And then they had it so that it was, you know, carrying you know, 300 pounds of stuff trumping around the woods. And then they had it where it could, you know, they've got technology where it can actually follow someone sort of, you know, track and then stop. And now they've got it where it can throw cinder blocks.
0: Why would you ever need it to throw a cinder block? Whoa, it throws it good, too.
1: Yeah, it like...
0: <laughs> and it's like kind of prancing, like it's happy about it.
1: it <laughs> prancing. The kind
0: of look, it's kind of like it's got like a little proud dance it does.
1: <laughs> no, this is... like The technology, they say, is like built in so that the whole body is working to kind of yeah. It.
0: Well, look at that. You know? it, it looks like an animal, Heather.
1: Yes. Yeah, so now, the whole idea is, well... Maybe there's something in the path that you need to get out of the way. Not, not just like move it to the side, but like throw it,
0: like a log or
1: yeah. So three hundred plus pounds, one hundred thirty six kilograms. This is not just shenanigans. This Oof. is Oof. it has a lot of heft.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it so. throws that cinder block, and then that cinder block shatters when it hits the ground.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, if you're not watching the uh, you know the video version, you have to go check out the show notes and watch this video. It's yeah. crazy.
0: So this thing, uh, the other thing that's interesting in this video is you notice it has packs on there. So they've probably got it weighted down because a big part of this thing's job, right, is to to take some of the weight off like soldiers in the field yeah. and, and carry a lot of their stuff for them. So this yeah. thing's got packs on it while it's doing this.
1: Yeah. Well, it makes sense, too. I mean, if it's going to throw 300 pounds, you need something to help weigh it down. Yeah. 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 That's, Otherwise, it's going to throw itself rather than a cinder blocker. There'll be kind of a, a dual action there. Need it has to have enough mass so it can really throw. That's
0: pretty impressive.: That is pretty impressive. All right, well, so now uh, stay tuned because Heather's been covering uh, that, uh, that big dog since, uh, well, at least one link, last link here goes back to Cybite 62.
1: Yeah, this thing just keeps coming.
0: Do you, do, do you have to do like a ton of Google site searches to go back and find all the previous times you've talked about this stuff?
1: Uh, some of them I actually have in my, my notes okay. and my way of bookmarking things. Because we should come Otherwise, up with a way to
0: make that easier for you. That's
1: Otherwise, gotta be a I pain just in the do part. Big Dog Site Jupiter Broadcasting. Yeah,
0: I do that a ton for some of our other shows too. I should make a way to do that, make that easier. All right. Well, uh, why don't we uh, access the <laughs> updates for a few of our stories?
1: Yes, the Higgs boson. Oh, that's a good one. Yes, it comes back. And inch by inch, we get closer that we are almost absolutely certain Mm. it's the Higgs boson. We know Mm. it's a Higgs. Okay. But, you know, they found the particle last July. It's becoming clearer and clearer as they get more data. Now, essentially, what it's down to is its spin. And I put quotation marks in the air, like you can (laughs) see it. So this spin isn't really like. You know, you're sitting on the you know, merry-go-round or something, and you're spinning around. Because it's not... These particles don't have, like, smaller particles so that are not orbiting each other. It's just a function of the particle. Like, it has mass, it has charge, and it has this certain type of spin. And why in particular? I'm not sure I understand it completely. But I know it's... They always spin in a certain way, in a certain direction. So you, And it wants to spin that way. So you rotate a particle and it's, you know, if it's a half spin and you rotate it 360 degrees, it's now the opposite of its phase. So these all sorts of different, you know, spin half, spin two, and then spin zero. And it has to be the specific spin zero, the Higgs boson. Okay. So they're almost close to being able to see that. Now, all the analysis and the data so far says yes, it has that particular um, little bit of detail. Now, they can't rule out completely that there's something else, that it might be a spin two or something. But, so until they can get a little bit more data to confidently observe that that particular spin, they're kind of holding off, but each little bit of data they're going through is getting them closer. And so, you know, every once in a while they'll be like, Hey, I think we've got more data. It's still looking good. Smiley face, thumbs up. So, and they have a lot of data to pour through.
0: You know, by the time they actually call it, everybody's going to be like, yeah, we've already assumed that for years.
1: Yeah. By the time they
0: call it, it's going to be like, I don't think people will be all that surprised. Because they're just sort of easing us into it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, at this point, they're, I think they've said 99.9% sure.
0: Right. Right.
1: So. Yeah. It's just sort of every once in a while. It's like, yay, it's still on track. That point 0one percent hasn't doomed us yet.
0: Right. That's a good point. And and you never know. We've we've been pretty far down the path of things, and they've said, ah, yes. You know what? <sighs> let's 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 rethink this. And you never know. Yeah. And you just kind of you just kind of want it to be like it's official. It's a hundred percent. We're locking it in. We're lo- yes. and Once you hear that, it's like wow. Then
1: a- it's big smiley face. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, with that done, should we uh, blast off to Mars for a Curiosity update? And lift off of the Atlas V with Curiosity. Touchdown confirmed. Receive on Mars. So, uh, that's still fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what's going on with the rover?
1: All righty. There was... You know, we had that little memory hiccup we talked about last yeah, week where yeah. there was a little... So they're on yep, mm-hmm. on the A side memory so mm-hmm. they're back on the B side you know' they're, they're working off the B side memory B side and then they had to kind of power it out. There was a big solar eruption. Oh now it was detected on the fifth so it was heading towards Mars. Now while the rover is designed for you know taking some pretty punishing solar eruption, you know all this energy and stuff mm-hmm. since it had the recent computer problems, they wanted to play it safe. Okay. No, so they've kind of powered down, went into safe mode, kind of postponed some activities until they can get back into normal. Normal. Now, Opportunity Rover, the uh, older rover who's uh, keeping on going, and yeah. two other NASA spacecraft circling around the planet, they just continued normal operations. And well, Curiosity, I'm sure Opportunity's
0: probably seen worse. Yeah. Back in my day, yeah. we didn't shut down. <laughs> right? Right? I'm yep. sure. Yep.
1: Yeah. Crawling uphill both ways in the dust. <laughs> No <laughs> so, but but you know with the the recent problems that they didn't want to push their luck so yeah, that's
0: probably a good idea.
1: yeah, I mean Mars that, does not have the magnetic field we do, so it's not but that know,
0: does it, mean another week without the science, right?
1: Yeah, not so much silence science yeah, so they saw their peak in radiation, so they're kind of looking to see what's going on now they're actually over the weekend they were being able to start. Sort of coming back online, testing and assessing what the A-side computer's memory problems were. Now they're actually getting a lot of detailed uh, information about it. Oh. They're actually able to store some new data in the memory locations that were previously a- affected. Oh, so they're kind of demonstrating more and more, you know, ability that's able to memory that's able to come back. They've got two software patches. They're going to put up some, you know, targeting specific memory allocation. Sort of doing all these type of things to kind of up, uplink uh, sometime this week. So once those software patches are installed, then the mission team will kind of reassess and look when to start, you know, full mission operations again. So it's using a high gain antenna again, and it's, you know, they're doing all the, the prep work to see when they'll be on, on full. Full, full mode now. It, it's
0: interesting. They say they're when they're switching between the A side and the B side computer, they uh, have to essentially catch up whichever computer they switch to, with all of the events that have happened since it's been active since. So like they were saying when yeah. they when they go back to A or B, they've got to then inform it of of the journey that's of dr- any dist- distances traveled, the position yeah. of the arm, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's kind of yeah that makes sense, but it's a little it's a little detail you don't really think of.
1: Yeah, I mean it's. Two, you know, it's two drivers taking turns driving down the road. So, one while one's asleep, the other one's driving down. You wake them up, and you're like, "Hey, we're no longer in Kansas. Just so you know, now we're in." You know, I
0: think it's Linux too. I, 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 I at least some Linux is involved at some level with the rover. I don't know if at this stuff if they're using some sort of you know custom built OS, but I, I know, yeah, most likely, yeah. I, I, I read somewhere that they're using Linux at some level with the rover, but I don't know which. But it sounds yeah. like you know. Uh, almost sci-fi. You know, switch it over to the B-Bank and uh, then update it and uh, then we'll get things back online. And just reroute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Well, redundancies with redundancies.
0: Built well. It's built well, Heather.
1: Yes. We um, got <clears> to... <throat>
0: any other shenanigans that things up to?
1: No, I'm just kind of uh, seeing how he's going. We've got some sort of pause Is going to have to come up here soon because of the position of Mars and the sun. But I think they're trying to get everything as in line as possible. To kind of prep for that moment or gotcha, for those
0: yeah. weeks. Yeah. All right. Well, then jump in the time machine because it's uh, time to jump back to see what was happening this week in science. Here we go.
1: Go. Close it. get closer.
0: Oh, oh. Ooh, we got that. We got that uh, about a hundred and hundred and fifty year shake. It's just uh, just about right. I can almost tell now just by the vibration. Oh, yep. Look at that. Uh, this week in science, 146 years ago, March 16th, 1867. Right? Did I get that right? Yes. Yes, yes you I did.
1: did. Uh, a yeah. paper was published by Joseph Lister, which was the first in a series of articles about the discovery of antiseptic surgery. Oh. So he, it was working off uh, Louis Pasteur's idea that microorganisms, you know, cause gangrene. Maybe they could be controlled with chemical solutions, and he was looking at um, carbolic is- acid, and he said, "Okay, well, we can deodorize sewage with that stuff." I wonder if we could spray it on instruments and everything else to kind of bring down the bacteria. So he used it on the surgical incisions, the dressings, everything. And upon using this sort of overall procedure, they were able to significantly reduce the incidence of gangrene. So after he saw that, he was able to publish a series of papers to kind of bring forward kind of a major step, from what I can tell, Hmm. in, you know, antiseptic surgery and the idea of, no, killing as much bacteria as possible to decrease the gangrene and other in post-operative infections.
0: Wow. And it's it's interesting. From what you're reading, did you get the sense that uh, he tried it uh, sort of in stages, or did he really sort of click in that he needed to sort of disinfect everything in order to make it work?
1: I think, you know, I can't quite tell. Yeah, but it's
0: probably a little hard to the de- that detail is probably a little fuzzy at this point.
1: Yeah, I think. Essentially, it was, I think the big step was, hey, I kind of agree with uh, Pasteur. There's, you know, some microorganisms going on here.
0: What an amazing leap to have to make that. Just that. Yeah. Microorganisms? What? You know, I mean, think about that. Yeah,
1: tiny little things that are living and they make you sick.
0: That things sounds, that you can't see, by the way. That sounds silly.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> so well, then it was, dis- I think it was deciding, all right, what can kill them or what do I think can kill the prob- what the problem is, and what can I use on human beings huh. and not make it worse, and not, and not kill them. Yeah, because <laughs> you, know, you want to kill specific little organisms, mm-hmm. the bad bacteria, not the people organisms. Right,
0: right. Pretty interesting stuff. And that uh, there you go. That was uh, what was it, one hundred and forty six years ago this week. Yep. All right. Well, uh, now that we've looked back in science, why don't we retune the SciByte computer and look up into the sky this week?
1: Let's go. On Sunday, March the 17th, about 9 p.m. local, wherever you are, the moon will be off in the west. Now, Jupiter will, around those dates, um, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, it will kind of be in the west. But on Sunday in particular, it's going to be very close to the upper right of the moon. And to the lower left of the moon, there will be a red star, Aldebaran. So you can see the moon really bright Jupiter, and then when everybody else, you pointing that out, and everyone else goes, oh, but that's smart. you would be like, no, that is the star Aldebaran. And Aldebaran. You look incredibly smart. Because <laughs> you are scienced.
0: And uh, if you have a smartphone and you just, it somehow just comes up in the middle of a conversation, just go over to our show notes. Heather actually has the image of this embedded in the show notes. You just yes. look at it. It's, it's like she made, she made you a map.
1: Yes. Now, in general, like I said, Jupiter after sunset will be kind of high in the southwest, moving to the west as the evening progresses. And the other thing is Saturn in the late evening will also be rising in the opposite direction in the east-southeast, moving high to the south by early morning. So kind of, planet wise, we just kind of Jupiter and Saturn right now. Okay. It's not bad. But yep. Yeah. But continuing on is the comet pan stars. Talked about it last week about 10 degrees is about the width of your fist held at arm's length no matter the size of your fist it all mathematically works out okay so look to the um, to the west and put your fist out and there should be a little fuzzy something just after you know evening or dark so round about you know the moon's setting there there's different days you know you can see on the picture as kind of it's moving and, you know, between now and the 20th, it's kind of getting higher in the sky. Now, kind of depends on where you are, depends on how far above the horizon it is. So that's a fist width is about Denver, New York, Madrid, level about 40 degrees north latitude, about 30 minutes after sunset. So if you're south of there, maybe it's a little bit higher in the horizon earlier. And if you're north, it'll be a little lower than shown in the picture. But in general... Look over there, there might be a little, might be able to see a little fuzzy, little fuzzy comet, depending on, you know, light pollution and where you are. And actually, if you have, you know, apartments or trees in your way, Mm. like I may have Mm. buildings, I'm like, it's right there behind all those buildings. But if you able to see it, let us know. You can tweet me. If you have a picture, share it, tweet me, JB underscore Mars underscore base. I will give you a shout out because you're able to see the comet.
0: Oh, I would be so cool to see that. Or you can also, you can email us, cybite yes. at jupiterbroadcasting.com and then just attach it. And uh, I'd love to see that. That'd be so oh, much yeah. fun. Uh, yes. Wow. Well, so Heather, I think that brings us to the end of the show, doesn't it? I think so. Well, good show, good stuff, and we would love to hear your feedback. You can also uh, get a hold of us by going to the website and clicking the contact link at the top of the site, and then choose Cybite from the drop-down, and then the computer systems, which are armed by millions of robots, automatically make sure that it gets to the right destination and you don't have to worry about it. Right, Heather? I think, sure. something like that I might something have the like de- I might be fuzzy on the details on that one okay. <laughs> Alright everyone, well thanks for joining us Don't forget, you can join us live Tuesdays at 7.30pm uh, Pacific which would be 10.30pm uh, Eastern over at jblive.tv or jblive.info for the audio stream or download the show Wednesdays over at jupiterbroadcasting.com Alright Heather, well thanks for the great show Thank you And thank you everyone for tuning to this week's episode of SciBite See you right back here next week